Welcome back to my fluent podcast. I am Daniel Goodson. I come from Switzerland and I am the host of this show. Actually, I am an English learner and I started out my fluent podcast back in 2016 in order to get fluent and as it happened I got stuck with a method in which I tried to interview people in order to get more fluent in order to become a better speaker and I am still interviewing people I am having a lot of fun I can learn a lot from my guests I think that you can also learn a lot from them and this time it's gonna be technical because it's all about a specific teaching method which is called DogMe. It is maybe nice to know for you that this time I'm gonna interview Stanek, the teacher, and the next episode will be with one of his students. He's called Enrique and he comes from Spain. So bear in mind that the next episode will be strongly connected to this one and we will get to learn more about Enrique's English journey. I had Stanek on the show on episode 38 and 37 and this was back in 2017 so it's incredible how time flies. So without any further ado, let's get to the interview. Have fun. Yeah, so my name is Stanek. I'm an English teacher and I'm from the Czech Republic. Been teaching English for maybe something along the lines of 12 years. Yeah, I teach <laughs> online these days. I used to work for a school, for different schools, in fact. I've worked here in the Czech Republic, but also in the UK. But these days, for the past two years, I have been an online teacher. I've been looking for my own students. So I, w I do this as a freelancer now. Yeah, I have gone independent. Yeah. And also, I have a podcast called Zdenex English Podcast. That's where you know me from, I guess. Exactly. And now I have a YouTube channel as well. So I do all sorts of different things. Behind me, you can see board games. If you're watching this, it's one of the things I love doing. I love using games and board games in particular in my classes. It's not so easy during the online lessons. Yeah. And these days I'm also very interested in teaching English through football. because It's another of my passions, football. So. I'm trying to come up with um, some innovative things, let's say, when it comes to teaching English. And I guess that's why you have invited me today as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I know that you make these um, live streams, I think, once a week in which you teach one of your students and you're using a not so common or not so well-known approach, which is called DOCMI or DOCMA. Maybe you could explain what this means. I don't even know how to pronounce it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure myself. I have watched recently a video by Scott Thornberry, who is the person behind this approach. It's a teaching approach. So there's an article that he wrote. It's an innovative way to teach English. And if you are asking me about the etymology, I think he himself was inspired by, there was a Danish movement of Danish filmmakers and it was called Dogme or Dogme uh, 95. Uh, it was created in 1995 in Copenhagen in Denmark. And the idea was basically to, to come up with a set of guidelines to make um, 
films simpler, more sort of naturalistic, uh, just just to make it different, right? I guess uh, without any contrived plots, like I guess to free it a little bit from uh, regulations, from help, from let's say some certain what what you might call it like guidelines, yeah. So I think that's where he took the inspiration from um, uh, Scott Thornberry, uh, who is well known in the world of ELT, English language teaching, because uh, he has written a lot of books. I, I'm sure almost every teacher knows who Scott Thornberry is. So he wrote this article and then also he co-wrote a book called Teaching Unplugged, where this approach to teaching is explained. Now this, this was uh, really abstract. So essentially what it is, is that Teaching should be focused on the learner and not be driven by the resources available, including course books. There are too many English teachers that use books, yeah, course books. And then often it becomes the focus and it's less natural than it should be. Uh, of course, there are a lot of bene benefits to textbooks. We can discuss it later, but the idea of dogma or dogma, some people pronounce it dogma, some people dogma. I think uh, Scott Thornberry himself pronounces it as dogma. Basically, the idea is that you can teach English without any resources. Mm. You can just talk to your students or a student and anything could become the aim of the lesson. So you talk to your student, you sort of identify gaps in knowledge. You make it as natural as possible. Uh, the students come with their ideas to the lesson. You can use some resources, but you use the resources available to you. So maybe you are in a classroom, let's say there's a poster there, or you look outside from the window and something is happening outside and you start talking about that, or your, your student is wearing an interesting t-shirt. So you talk about that t-shirt or, or they, br they bring some sort of prop to the class. It could be really anything. I know it sounds very like, let's say <laughs> not so structured. Yeah. A little bit chaotic and it is, it can be a little bit, but, um, you know what, like you said, you have never heard about this, but I would say that most English teachers, the vast majority of English teachers have used this method to some extent in mm -hmm. their teaching might not have been the whole lesson might not have been the purest version of dogma, mm -hmm. but maybe without realizing it, that it's dogma. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's a natural thing to do. You just, sometimes you, you have a book, you have your lesson plan, but your student comes to the class and starts talking to you about what happened to them. And then that's what the whole lesson is about. Sometimes yeah. it happens. You abandon your lesson plan and sometimes these are the best lessons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've done this many times and I, I know for a fact that other teachers do it too. Some teachers mm -hmm. more, some teachers less. Depends on your personality a little bit. And it certainly depends on your students as well. Because there are students, as perhaps you yourself as an English learner, you you seem to like it, but there yeah. might be students who, who prefer a more structured approach, following a course book where you have all different, let's say aims, each chapter has an aim and there's a set of target language and all that. I remember that a few years ago, I took lessons with an English teacher from Chile, actually, and it turned out that he was my, yeah, my favorite teacher because what we would do is we just discussed everything and there was like a connection. It was like speaking to a friend and we never used course books. It was just a discussion and 
It was really great. It helped me a lot. Yeah. And, and Stanek, where did you come into contact with this approach, DocMe, for the very first time? Do you remember it? Yeah, I think they might have mentioned it at my university, but I don't think they talked about it much and they certainly didn't encourage us to use it. So I graduated as an English teacher in 2011. And then a few years later, I decided to take the CELTA course to get the CELTA, CELTA certificate. That's a certificate that anyone can get. You can get it. As long as your English is at a high level, which in your case it is, you can get the CELTA uh, certificate and that will give you like the, let's say the basic qualification that you need these days as an English teacher to work internationally. Yeah. And, uh, it gave me a bit different perspective because when you get a master's degree in the Czech Republic, you're actually kind of supposed to work at a school, at a state school. So that I always leaned towards teaching international students, foreigners. It was always something that interested me. So. Uh, I thought it was a natural thing to do for me to get the CELTA. And then, so at the CELTA, that's where they mentioned it first time to me at the CELTA course. And okay. uh, I thought, oh, that's, that's quite interesting. We were not supposed to use it during our teaching practices yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, but there was like one lesson we could do as an experimental lesson. So that's, that's when they mm -hmm. kind of encouraged us to try it and. Scott Thornberry is a big name because not only does he does that, but he has got a lot of cool books about how to teach grammar, how to teach pronunciation. He's a really well-known personality in EL. So that's where I first came across it. And then I think it was two years later, was it one year later? I also did my module to Delta and that's when I got the opportunity to also use it in the class. But mm -hmm. to be honest, again, like most, not, it was just one class and you were not supposed to use it during those <laughs> okay. ass assessed lessons. Yeah. Those assessed I lessons. See. Anyway, to be honest, I've always kind of used it in some form. And then it was only then that I realized that it was an actual method. So I sort of just I felt justified in what, in what I had been doing mm -hmm. because sometimes it feels like you know, it might feel like sometimes you're not doing much. Yeah. It might feel so like you're not prepared. So you're yeah, just doing that, that, <laughs> something as, right that, on the spot. That as well. Yeah. The, it involves a certain level of yeah. improvisation and all that. What I would say is that often this works best for experienced teachers. That's mm -hmm. an important thing because you have a lot of teachers, like <laughs> some, some would call them backpackers that go abroad. And they want to just travel around the world and they, they are like, well, what, what am I going to do then to make money? Well, I will teach English, but, uh, they are either just CELTA qualified, which is like, like I said, anyone can get it within a month. So that's like not much qualification. They are not that experienced. And then they, mm -hmm. they don't know how to teach. They don't understand grammar. They don't know how to explain things to students. So what they do is they just talk to them and they think this is dogma. And in a way it is, in a way it is right. But the problem is that students need feedback, right? A good teacher will identify the student's needs. A good mm. teacher will, uh, will, will know what problems the students have, what things they struggle with and how you can overcome those problems, how you can solve those problems. And for that, you need to be able to provide feedback and uh, analyze the, the, the student's speech, writing or whatnot. And 
to be honest, uh, you have to be experienced to be able to do that well. Uh, so I'm not sure like this method works for novices. Yeah. I see. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. And also they tend to be a bit nervous as well. Like when they start off and they, they, they rely on, or they lean on course books heavily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's like their lifeline. Yeah. It's like, what am I going to do with my students? You know, yeah. they, they're freaking out a bit. Uh, no matter how confident you are, it's a different thing. You have to stand up in front of 10, 15 students and teach. And they, they are all looking at you and they're like wondering what you're going to do and how you're going to help mm -hmm. them. And then you're like, oh, here's my book. Oh, exercise one, exercise two. You know what I yes. mean? Like it's, it's easy with a course book. Yeah, I see. And also, I mean, I can picture it in front of my mind doing a one-on-one -on -one lesson. But when there are 10 or 15 or 20 students, I can't even imagine it using this method because you need to, to work really close to your students. And I imagine that the levels of English between the students are also not the same. So it becomes even harder to, to set up the lesson with the dogme approach. Well, ideally, the group you're teaching is a homogeneous group that has the yeah, same level. Yeah. Yeah. But I know it's not always the case. You are right. Uh, and I would argue that it seems to work more easily with, with one-to-ones. You are right. Mm -hmm. I know that you are using it on your YouTube channel. You have this live session, but what about when you are teaching one-to-one -one or, or when you are teaching in another context? Do you use this approach often? Well, I have to be honest with you. Like I told you, I've been a freelance teacher for about two years. Ever since I came back from England, that was when the pandemic started. And with 90% of my students, I use this method, dogma. I don't know. I, mm. I just completely abandoned the course books now these days, even though I always use them when I work for an institution, like for a school, because that's what they want you to do. Yeah. It's yes. not like you can't sometimes have a lesson, a pure dogma lesson, or just sometimes do what you want. You often have certain level of freedom. Yeah. But the problem is that the students, they have their own kind of beliefs and expectations, and it's just less likely that the students will complain if you use a course book, because that's what they kind of expect. Do you know what I mean? So that's why schools push teachers to, to use them more. But, uh, if, if you have a good boss or, and I've always been lucky to have good bosses and people who understood, who understood the, the industry, because it's very important because if, if your boss has been a teacher at herself or himself, then they know what it's like to teach. They know what sort of uh, challenges there are when it comes to teaching and they, they are aware of the methods, uh, uh, of the trends in English teaching and all that. But when you do things on your own, and if you have one-to-one -one students, that's really easy because you can see if it works, you can ask your student if they are comfortable with it. And if they are, then you can do it. You know, when it comes to a group, you can't always satisfy everybody's needs, right? Uh, it has to be a compromise and a the course book, unfortunately, often is the compromise because it's just the sort of like a default, <laughs> default uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. So, okay, let's get a little bit 
deeper into your YouTube channel, maybe you could explain what it is all about. So if you're asking about the YouTube channel itself, so as always yes. with me, uh, it's a bit of a mixed bag. That's what I say when uh, anyone asks me about my podcast. It's also a mixed bag. It, uh, it's not just about that. I have a one lesson a week with a student. It's always a member from my Discord group, which is like a paid membership group called the Achievers Chambers. The Achievers Chamber, sorry. It's a bit of a tongue twister. And um, there is one level of membership called Silver Membership. And uh, anyone who has silver or higher membership is eligible to occasionally take this light lesson with me. So it's my way of sort of providing some kind of perk to members of the, one of the perks, one of the perks is that they, they, they get this, but also it's a way for me to sort of showcase my skills yes. and stuff like that. Now, I would like to say that when, uh, the, the whole channel is also about teaching English through football, which is another thing I do. That's why I say it's a mixed bag. It's not all about just doing that life lesson. And also, if there's anyone who understands teaching methods and approaches a lot, and maybe there are a lot of people who, who know a lot about this, I just want to say that I'm aware that it's not pure dogma. Yeah? I mean, with dogma, it's very flexible that you can kind of adjust it to your own needs. You can sort of find your own style in it. And I, I think the, the thing is like when I do the live with the, the student, there's no plan. So we just come to the lesson. Often we don't know what we're going to talk about. There's a bit of pressure because mm -hmm. it's not like the most comfortable position to be in as a student, you know? Because there are people watching, it's, it's live as well. But you know me, I, I like this kind of challenge myself and I <laughs> convince my students that it's, it's good for them. And the main thing is that we, we use English, we speak English, we practice English and people watch it, you watch it. So it can't, it can't all be bad, yeah? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a win-win situation because others can watch the lesson and and learn something from it it's really great and also i wanted to ask i am very curious because you mentioned that it puts like some sort of pressure on the student because yeah it's life and not everyone reacts the same way and i could imagine that maybe um, someone who is introvert maybe is a little bit scared and it affects the way how how uh, they speak um, can you tell us a little bit more about that maybe i can yeah 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 so as i said this is this is these are people that have been around me for quite some time and mm. when it comes to the discord group that i have the achievers chamber I offered it to all silver members and or gold members and only about 50% of them are comfortable doing this yeah, and it's I not see. only about being an introvert or extrovert, yeah, by yeah. the way, because I have yes. got at least one, possibly two or three of those regulars on the YouTube live, because there are like five at the moment, five people that sort of take turns. At least one of them is the biggest introvert you could imagine in her own life. And now, I, now everybody knows it's a woman, uh, <laughs> in her own life, she's like the, like the archetype of, of an introvert and 
I think the reason she's comfortable doing this is because she knows me. So when you know yeah. the teacher well, when you start working with a teacher and you work long term, you trust you you you, you start yes. trusting that person. So she knows I'm not going to humiliate her there, or she knows it's just uh, an opportunity to to do something like that. And perhaps because she's technically only talking to me, right? She's okay with doing it as an introvert because it would be different if if she was in a group. And then it, like, um, like it would be like a lecture hall or something. And I was mm. sitting opposite her yeah. and teach her that might be different. I don't know, mm. but, um, it's, it's not all bad, but for some people, it could be a little bit stressful for me. It is a little bit stressful too, because really? you know, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> okay. it's my profession. You see, I'm a teacher and occasionally I could say things that are wrong. Even when it comes to explaining things and when I do the feedback, it's like you, yeah. you sort of putting yourself in a vulnerable position, but you know me, I like that. I like that. Actually, I don't mind. I'm okay with making mistakes, but I must not make too many mistakes. It must be just rare. So if it's rare, it's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. But if it's <laughs> too often, then I'm shooting myself in the foot, Danielle, because then some, some, uh, students might realize that. Oh, this teacher doesn't know what he's doing. He, yeah. yeah, he's making too many mistakes. Oh, what's this explanation about? It doesn't make any sense. Um, some other teacher told me something different. Oh, I've just checked it online because that's what I can do. I can Google everything these days. It's not actually true what this teacher is saying, you know, uh, any teacher, any teacher you ask native, non-native teacher, they will tell you that they have made so many mistakes <laughs> in their career, yeah, because that's how you learn, you learn by making mistakes, even as a teacher, uh, the more experienced you are, the less likely you are to make those mistakes. Also, a good teacher will admit when they make a mistakes, when they make a mistake. Yeah. Some teachers, uh, it's too difficult for them to do that because of their ego or because they think they might undermine themselves. So I, I've just sort of like become comfortable with doing this. Uh, I don't know they're over. 30, 30 live lessons or something along those lines. And it's kind of cool because I, I, I show the world that I can work with learners of different nationalities, different levels, different interests, and we, we can make it work. I would say that in my private lessons, Daniel, it's more relaxed. <laughs> and also <laughs> my student tend, tends to talk more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to, to add something. You said something about trust. This is really important when it comes to to have this relation with a teacher. And I always say that that it is so important to feel comfortable, to feel at ease when you are learning. Because I remember back in the day at school, <laughs> it was for me it was a, a scary situation because we were 25 peoples. And for me, the most important thing was to not be um, embarrassed, like because everyone had had to say something and and one after the other. And I was so nervous, I could almost learn nothing. And and this is such a, a shame in a way. And that's why I, I like it that people can see you, can see your style and they can make up their mind. Is this something that I could imagine? Could this be a teacher for me? So this is a perfect way. It showcases a little bit 
your style and and you as a person and as a teacher and i'm wondering do you see other channels or other teachers doing something similar than you you are doing right now um, that, I, i mean yeah. that, that, that they are um, like making life lessons i have seen one teacher of Czech language do this. So I think she has inspired me in a way because maybe it wasn't dogma. She had it all prepared, but uh, I have seen her teach a student life and do it regularly. Yeah? So I may have seen another teacher of English do this, but it's not that common. Let's say it's not that common. Mm. Why is it not that common? I don't know. Yeah. I guess, I because guess it's, it's, as you said, you are vulnerable, right? Because maybe people are scared to to make mistakes and yeah and because you see how the teacher is you, but it's not only about the teacher i think it's also to do with the students because like i said not yeah. everyone is going to be comfortable with this and the way i make it work is because i don't think it was my idea that i could do this and then pe people would pay me for the lessons it would be my job if you would pay me and have a live lesson it would be saved so they could always rewatch it right but if you think about it You kind of pay for that private relationship. Like you pay for a lesson, it's just you and the teacher because you're more comfortable in that position. Yeah. So I think I only made it work because it's like a benefit for the members of the Discord group. And it used to be for the patrons of my podcast before, right? So it's like an extra perk and it's also only if you want to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think there are a few problems with it. Like if that's that's the reason Not many teachers are up for it, I guess. Uh, and as you said, like some teachers might be afraid of being judged because we are a little bit like that. Everyone is like that a little bit, yeah. So um, I know uh, my, my YouTube channel uh, is watched by other uh, English teachers and it's, <laughs> it's actually, whenever I go live and teach the students, I think right now about half of the, the people that are going live <laughs> seem, seem to be English teachers, yeah? Yeah. So, Uh, that is so uh, funny in a way <laughs> yeah it puts additional pressure on me and sometimes yeah, I, 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 i i doubt myself a little bit more yeah because i'm like oh my god maybe because they might know no. what i don't okay. know which is which happens yeah but i and think like, you should see it another way you should think to yourself i am doing something right because all of these people are watching like like they are in a way admiring you or or, or watching what, what no not laughing at you <laughs> watching what's going on because they are curious and yeah because no, they I see, appreciate I see. your approach i see that way daniel uh, i'm okay with it i'm okay with it i just say like i just say like when it, when it all started the first few lives i felt a bit like <laughs> what are they thinking yeah i see and We talked about being afraid because of the pressure being live, but I could also imagine that it could be like a motivation booster and maybe the pressure will help you maybe after two or three lessons to get out of your comfort zone on, and becoming even more confident in a way. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that might help the, the students too. Yeah. The learners, those, those that join those lessons. That's the idea. But, but the thing is like, it's always about the person because they might feel comfortable with me like that, but when they talk to someone else, it could be all yeah, different. Yeah, sure. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. 
Okay, great. And could you please tell us a little bit more about the feedbacks that you are giving to your students? How does it work in this life lesson? So feedback is an important part of teaching. Yeah, it's, it's crucial. Yeah, because if you don't tell your students what they are doing wrong and sometimes what they are doing right, of course, as well, uh, and show them ways they can improve and address the, the problems they have, then how can they make progress? Yeah. So, uh, it's always an important chapter in any book for English teachers, feedback. It's a massive chapter and you know how to do it. You need to learn how to do it right. There are different ways to give feedback, by the way, Daniel, you could give immediate feedback. So when a student makes a mistake, you could just immediately correct them on the spot. You could even stop the flow of the conversation. Sometimes it's necessary when, when it's some sort of massive mistake that, that mm -hmm. hinders the communication or, or leads to communication breakdown and you have to do it. Now, other times when the mistake is less serious, you understand what the person is saying. You could just make notes, right? You could make notes and that's what I do. That's what I've always done. And, um, then you look at the mistakes after the exercise. So in this case, when we have a conversation, what I do is that I make notes in a Google document and then in the second half of the live, I share the screen with everybody, with the student and with the viewers watching this live and go through some mistakes that, that the student has made when it comes to pronunciation, grammar, vocabulary, and we discuss it. We kind of analyze the language because that's also what dogma is about because you have to deal with what's called emerging language. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a term used by Scott Thornberry, emerging language. Yes. So it's an opportunity to fix some fossilized errors as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, so, you know, you have seen it. So I just share the screen and I've got like color coding. So when it's like a grammatical mistake, it's red. When it's pronunciation mistake, it's purple. And I try to elicit it. That's what a good teacher should do. So elicit the answer, meaning like I try to let the student work it out first yeah. before, before telling them what's wrong. I like that a lot. It's important. I think that the students can improve even better by doing so. It's, it's great. And also there are always the possibility to to write a question. I mean, if you are a listener or a watcher, you can just type in a comment and then you also integrate it into the lesson, exactly. which makes it even more interesting because you feel like you can even be part of the lesson. It's not just that you only are allowed to, to watch. You can also take yeah. part in it. And that's the idea. That's why I'm doing it live because I like it to be interactive. And since there is no plan and sometimes we are like, what are we going to talk about? And then there's this awkward silence and we are like, oh, what should we yeah. talk about? And then you start talking about how difficult it is to uh, come up with something when you're being watched live and things like that. It's, it becomes a bit meta, but it actually kind of helps when <laughs> there are people <laughs> asking questions, making comments because you can, um, talk about that yeah and uh, the student gets involved and you get this community feeling as well because often people who watch they watch regularly yeah yeah every week so then you you start to get to know them as well and yeah? i assume that it gets harder and harder 
depending on the level of the student. I mean, if there is someone who has maybe um, a C2 level, maybe it's harder because there are not that many mistakes. But that, that doesn't matter. We don't always need mistakes, yeah? Oh, you mean you yeah. mean teaching the student? The student, you mean? Yeah, exactly. When, yeah. No, when you are having um, a live session and then there are no mistakes. Uh, yeah, I've recently had a live with Jolly, who is also an English teacher. And it's also about, like, we don't want to undermine each other as English teachers, yeah? So I don't wa really want to correct someone like Jolly, although she told me that it's perfectly fine. I feel like it's not the right... Because I wouldn't correct teachers. It's like you would be undermining your colleague. Like, we all make mistakes. Teachers make mistakes. Maybe not, not just in language. Some teachers make mistakes when it comes to the way they teach, the way they manage the class. There could be all sorts of different things we might be doing wrong or not exactly how it should be done, yeah? And when yeah. you just sort of imagine observing observing your colleague and it's just it's a nightmare for you if you're being observed because you feel like you're constantly being judged and but you we need it as well yeah we need this kind of feedback but there are times for it and yeah? there are times for it and it doesn't happen that that often but julie is uh julie is a positive positive person so she she's okay with it yeah okay and after having more than 35 live sessions what did you learn from them? What did I learn from the life lessons? Yes. Um, yes. Um, I think I've learned that I'm not a purist. I thought it would be a pure dogma approach, but uh, I don't think it is. It's a bit difficult when you do it as YouTube because I, I feel like I constantly have to think about the channel and I have to make sure that, that I have people's attention and it doesn't always sort of go together well, yeah, because the student is just there to learn, right? It's there to practice and I am there to teach, but as a YouTuber, as someone who has a YouTube channel, I'm there to entertain. And when, yeah. when you are a teacher in a classroom, the teacher trainers will tell you, this is the last thing you should do to entertain. I, like we know, for example, Luke, yeah. So Luke would disagree with you a little bit on this. And I, I can't imagine like how boring it, it can be when there is a teacher who is not funny and who can't entertain at all. But the problem is that some teachers, they become the center of attention and they, they think that the, their job is about telling jokes and being funny, mm. but that should be just the secondary or tertiary or like the, the thing that's like the least important thing. If there is a good teacher who is not funny and can do the job well, excellent. <laughs> yeah. And the teacher, if, if, if the teacher engages students, doesn't have to be through jokes and the teacher can do an excellent job and really help the students. But when you have a teacher who is, who is a stand-up comedian, excellent at telling jokes, he can <laughs> be, or she, a terrible teacher, a terrible teacher is doesn't, doesn't he or she doesn't let the students talk and he or she uses wrong methods or just doesn't know how to explain grammar and things like that. Um, so you see, you see where I'm going with this. Someone doing YouTube, sometimes I feel yeah, like yeah. I have to keep the flow of the conversation. So maybe there is a little problem because I talk a little bit too much. Yeah, not maybe for sure. This is a problem. Yeah. So my teacher talking time is a little bit higher than I would like it to be. And it's just the way it is. 
And it also depends on the student, of course, because certain students tend to be more talkative than others. It's also about the level. Uh, but I'm just trying to find ways so that I could make this work without talking so much. So that, that's, that's, no, that's my challenge. That's my challenge because then I will feel more, more like I'm doing the job correctly as a teacher. Because if, if, if I'm watched by other teachers, like teacher trainers, people who maybe want to learn about what's dogma and they watch this YouTube, they might be thinking to themselves, well, this is interesting, but it's all about use Denek. You see, I, I, that's the problem I have with this little bit myself. Yeah, that's the issue. Uh, at least the students are not paying me for this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think you are beating yourself up or, or you are too hard on yourself. I don't think that it is that much of an issue because otherwise the students would say something about it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, mate, because sometimes even students that are taught by a teacher that talks a lot, they are happy like that. You know, there are a lot of students who are like happy just sitting there and mm -hmm. doing nothing and they just come and they get a lot of input, listening input fine but there's just so much it's so wasteful for them they're wasting their time yeah yeah because because you need to get involved you need to talk the problem of the mass vast majority of english learners if i were to like identify the main issues one of them is for sure maybe the biggest one students never have enough speaking practice never it's never enough that's why i created all these discord groups not only the Achievers Chamber, which is a paid Discord group, but I also have a free Discord group called Learn English Online. And there are so many people there who want to learn English and they are not active. Why? Because it's, it's, I guess it's in our nature just to sort of hide, to not to get involved if we don't have to, you know, uh, yeah. to, to stay in the shadows. Next time I will focus on that when you are doing a live again, and I will I will put a comment in case you are speaking too much. <laughs> please do, please do, because I know I am. Like I, I am, I know I am. Where can students find lessons which have elements of dogma in it? So let's say that the student want, wants just to to talk a lot. So to be honest, most English teachers, most qualified and experienced English teachers. They do this already anyway. They just may not call it dogma. They just uh, teach in a teach conversationally or in a conversation like through conversation. It's nothing new, really. It's just maybe the name. It makes it sounds more fancy. Uh, dogma. What is that? Yeah, yeah, I see. I see. Do you know what I mean? But let let's be honest. Most English teachers do teach like that already. Yeah, honestly, I don't see. I don't think it's. Okay. It's anything special, really. Like maybe, maybe it. I made it look more special by uh, doing it via YouTube and calling it dogma. But I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <what I mean. laughs> okay. It's, it's like every every single teacher should be able to do this because it's. Uh, I think especially experienced teachers, like I said before, it's not that. I want to say it's not that hard, but I know it is hard for some people because some people prefer structure and. Things like that, right? Um, you have aims, objectives you're trying to achieve, so it's not always easy with dogma. 
But also, I've, I've seen recently a video by Scott Thornberry, I think it came out about eight years ago, and he says that often people kind of uh, misunderstand how this is done. Uh, because people who criticize, there's a lot of criticism leveled at DogMag. There's like no aim, like what's the objective? What are the outcomes that you're trying to achieve, achieve or reach? And uh, well, Scott Thornberry says that people misunderstand it, that it's actually, you can create your syllabus as well with DogMag. You can, mm -hmm. but the syllabus is sort of, you, you sort of collaborate on that with your, with your student. You sort of work it out during the lessons, you know, so you can still like have some outcomes, and, but it's you you discuss it with your student, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Rather, rather than just having it imposed on you externally by the school. Okay, great. So thank you very much, Stenek. I was having a blast. It was interesting as always with you. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we could arrange something to do uh, a live session together or maybe just a lesson with the dog me approach so sure like any any time yeah. you know where to find me daniel so you can also join the achievers chambers group if you want and you can be one of the faces of the live youtube lessons <laughs> if you want why not <laughs> oh, do you want to mention where we can find you, you can find me as teachers denek uh, on my YouTube channel and uh, on my Instagram, I'm as Teachers Denek. There's a website called teachersdenek.com and podcast is called the Denek English Podcast. Yeah. And if you want, on my website, you will find links to all my social media, including the Discord group I mentioned before. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome and thanks for having me, Daniel. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to my Flume podcast. This means a lot to me. And before we wrap this episode up, I just want to show you a very short teaser. This is Enrique from Spain, who you will be able to listen to in the next episode. You even said that you are not good in English, but I don't understand why. I think sometimes you are beating yourself up. Maybe I have too high expectations because as an outgoing person who enjoy talking to people and mm. chatting, that kind of thing. In English, it's un a bit uncomfortable for, for me because I feel like a five-year-old boy, you know? <laughs> uh, I, 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 I want to express so many things and when I talk to someone, I want to be myself. And this is my journey right now. I, I'm trying to be myself in English. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not at that level uh, yet. I, I'm myself in Spanish. In Spanish, I talk to friends and I don't have any problem to uh, make jokes, to, to be as I am, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. But in English, it, it's difficult to do that. So I feel that I'm a different person.